favorite topics uh, here at Seven Signal. Uh, first, a little bit about me. If you don't know me, like Don mentioned, I'm our Chief Wireless Officer and a CWNE. I just renewed my CWNE and I just renewed my CCNP. So those are good for another couple of years. Um, yep, but backstory is as a wireless network engineer in, in different enterprise verticals. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I've got a blog about Wi-Fi and I'm also on the ham radio bands on two meters and 70 centimeters at Kilo Echo 8, Oscar Kilo Victor. Today's topic though is best practices for supporting Wi-Fi clients and under, first we're gonna talk about kind of understanding why they're so important and the role they play in the Wi-Fi network. An important thing to understand about a Wi-Fi network is it's really just a network of radios, right? You've got AP radios, you've got client radios. They're all using the same protocol. They're all transmitting and receiving. Um, but um, the client radios make up the bulk of the network. So even though a different group outside of the network team may be responsible for them, um, they're a huge part of your wireless network uh, and they need a lot of attention. So that could be in it with a thousand APs in the network, you could have 20,000 clients, maybe a lot more in a, in a stadium environment, for example. And when we talk about clients and APs, you'll hear, hear me use the term station. That's just a radio station. It's either a client or an AP, anything with a Wi-Fi radio that's transmitting or receiving uh, in, in the 802.11 standard just gets called a station. So I'll use that term a little bit today. And they all have a, an impact on overall performance. So one of the myths I wanna discard is that the way Wi-Fi works essentially is that you've got this access point in the center and it's transmitting a signal that all the clients have to receive. And if the clients receive the signal loud enough, you've got a good Wi-Fi network. That's partly true. The access point is transmitting and the clients are receiving, just like we do with AM FM radio, for example. You've got a big transmitter up on a hill somewhere and you've got radios in the region that are receiving its signal. But Wi-Fi is actually much more complex than that. The reality looks more like this. All the radios participating in the network have to transmit and receive, and they all have to be able to receive each other. So when you look at it this way, you can sort of see that actually, we think about the AP being so central to performance, but the client radios are just as critical and, and play just as an important role. Um, so, you know, one way to think about that is just to say a station is a station. It's an AP or it's a client. It doesn't matter. Uh, but we spend a lot of time really focusing on our APs, making sure they have um, stable code. They're all running the same code, standardizing on hardware. You know, we usually only want to run a single AP model. Um, inside, you know, one building, for example. Uh, but 
the majority of our wireless network, those clients, we don't have anything like that. So just imagine if all your APs, if you if in the same wireless network you had APs from Cisco and Aruba and Extreme and Meraki and Ruckus and Mist and so on, all in the same network. And they were all different models and they were all different code levels. Uh, it would be an enormous disaster of a Wi-Fi network. But that's kind of the 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 um, status quo for our clients. We don't have standardized hardware. We don't have standardized, we're not standardized on vendors. And we probably have a whole variety of different drivers and operating systems on those machines that are affecting their Wi-Fi performance. Um, so that's one of the reasons why, you know, clients deserve more attention than they get. One way to think about this is that, you know, we can think of, I think two-way radio actually is a really good analogy for Wi-Fi because the channel access is the same. You have to wait for the channel to be clear before you can transmit. Otherwise, you'll transmit on top of someone else and it'll just be a garbled mess. Um, and and uh, you also can't hear your transmission while you're transmitting. Um, but to take that a step further, in a lot of enterprise networks, our access points are like these really nice Motorola two-way radios. You know, these are ruggedized, got really high quality components. They're tested in extreme environments. This is a radio that a first responder might use. You know, you could put this in environments where life and death matters um, and the performance of this radio has to, has to work. That's kind of what our access points are often like. High quality components, well-tested, well-engineered, uh, but then the clients on the enterprise networks are not built to the same standard at all. They're more like these cheap children's toys of two-way radios, built to be super cheap, you know, low quali lowest quality components because they're cheaper, poor batteries, just undependable. You wouldn't use one of these in a really important environment where communication was uh, really critical. And yet, uh, a lot of the clients on our Wi-Fi network are unfortunately built with similar design goals as these clients. So it's a problem. So one more analogy about Wi-Fi and then we'll kind of really get into some details. I like to think about Wi-Fi net networks as behaving a little bit like orchestras. So you can imagine everybody's playing in sync. They're following, you know, uh, the, the beat and, uh, you know, reading their music and, and, and it sounds great. But what if just one of these violin players was playing out of tune? Their violin was out of tune or maybe they just played the wrong notes. The whole piece would be totally ruined. But, you know, think about it. There's a hundred players We'll say in this orchestra 
And only one is making mistakes. So 99% of everything is, is going up, is perfect. It's still the worst music you've ever heard because of that one violin playing out of tune. Everything just kind of falls apart. And Wi-Fi is similar to that. If we're not addressing all the different uh, uh, factors that impact impact performance, it kind of falls apart. Now, I, the protocol is robust. It will keep working. You can get data back and forth when some things aren't right. Just like this orchestra can keep playing if somebody's making mistakes. Uh, but it wouldn't be a very memorable performance and you know there'd be obvious problems that should be addressed to improve it. So if we think about Wi-Fi this way, you know, there's different sections of the orchestra um, that are really important to the music of Wi-Fi performance. There's wireless design, which is critical. You have to have a good RF design. Um, you have to have the infrastructure, good APs, the right antennas, the back-end network services that support Wi-Fi. All that has to be addressed. The spectrum has to be addressed. We're using unlicensed spectrum, so we need to make sure it's clean and use channels that are unoccupied and, and free of noise. But we also have to address the clients. These are the most overlooked instruments in the orchestra. And, and even if we take care of these other three sections and they're doing great, our clients can show up and really you know, cause a lot of havoc on the Wi-Fi network. So I want to encourage everyone to take extra care in considering the clients that make up, you know, the bulk of the Wi-Fi network. So let's talk about some specifics now. Let's get into some uh, more technical stuff about Wi-Fi clients. The things that really impact their performance, um, there are those layer one Phi factors, the supported phis, the bands, the spatial streams, the quality of the components, the radio sensitivity, um, the antennas in use and their, uh, their design. There's always some compromise about antenna design. Not a lot of clients that have external antennas that are, you know, pointed straight up, right? Um, there's proprietary things. There's a lot of proprietary things in clients that affect their Wi-Fi performance. The roaming algorithm is a big one, and we'll talk more about that. How they handle power save operation. Some clients don't do that very well. Uh, the way they choose data rates, their dynamic rate shifting algorithm. These are all black boxes, right? But they're important to uh, their performance. And then there's kind of just this general bucket of stability and interoperability things. Like those cheap children's toys of two-way radios, you don't really expect them to kind of just work all the time and be rugged and reliable and, and sort of set it and forget it. They're, uh, you know, they have serious quality issues. They have buggy code. They may not be able to maintain a connection for very long or in certain conditions um, that you might have on your enterprise network. 
So a couple things uh, to look at when you're testing clients. These are five items that I think are really valuable that usually, or in a lot of cases, don't show up on the spec sheet of the client um, that you're evaluating, but have a big impact on their performance in enterprise networks. Number one, the band and channel support. Do they support five gigahertz? You really gotta have that if there's any uh, latency or th um, throughput or, uh, you know, performance considerations. If there's a human using that, expecting kind of back and forth interaction with an application, it really should be on five gigahertz and not 2.4 only. And think about six gigahertz too. There's plenty of six gigahertz clients out there now. Um, and you may not have a six gigahertz uh, WLAN yet, but there's no reason if, if that's not in your future to to, to wait to buy clients that have that support. Um, within the, the five gigahertz band though, you wanna know what, uh, do they so also support the DFS channels and what subset of those are supported? If you bring clients in that don't support channels, say 120, 124 and 128, then you can't use those in your design. Um, so, you got to stay on top of that. Usually that's not published uh, in spec sheets. Sometimes it is. Security methods. We're supposed to be using enterprise security in, in our enterprise Wi-Fi networks. So we want to make sure clients support WPA2 or WPA3 enterprise. We want to specifically know what EAP methods they support. We're probably using PEEP or EAPTLS or EAPTTLS maybe a combination of those, but it's an important thing to check to make sure that uh, we don't need to, you know, we don't have some incompatibility issue there. What's often overlooked though, uh, in my experience and really important is the security provisioning of these devices. So if you're bringing on a thousand new clients from a vendor and you need to onboard them onto your 802.1X network with uh, individualized EPTLS certificates. How do you get those certs installed on those devices? Does the vendor offer software that um, uh, helps you do that in bulk? Uh, is it compatible with, say, Microsoft Active Directory certificate services or whatever you're using as a certificate authority? Um, that's actually really critical because a lot of times this kind of falls apart because it's just too hard to get these uh, get security provisioned properly on all these um, devices when we're doing 802.1x. And so we kind of fall back to just, uh, we'll use WPA2 personal and just use a pre-shared key on all of them. So look into that. Uh, roaming performance, so huge, huge um, problem for Wi-Fi clients and enterprise networks. A lot of them are really sticky clients that don't roam well. Uh, you got to think about the use case for the client. If it's going to sit on a, a desk and, and never move, then its roaming performance doesn't really matter. If it's a tablet that someone's looking at as they walk down the hall and it's streaming uh, a uh, 
a, a video call, it's got to roam flawlessly. And that's rarely uh, documented. Um, and even when it is documented, uh, you need to verify it in your, in your um, network. Um, sometimes what's published uh, doesn't match what you observe uh, in the real world, in my experience, as far as roaming performance goes. Uh, roaming amendments, again, for those clients that are mobile, support for 802.11k VNR uh, is really helpful to speed up roaming uh, and, and have as little packet loss as possible uh, during AP discovery. And also once that roam has begun, we wanna make that as fast as possible. And then connection stability, another thing to look at here. Can, can this client just stay connected without just kind of randomly dropping packets or disassociating and, and reassociating or just flaking out and totally restarting its network stack or so on and so forth. You can't take that for granted, unfortunately, with Wi-Fi clients. Um, so that's you know a little bit longer term test, but definitely worth doing because you'll find those just strange oddities where, yeah, it was connected yesterday and I showed up today and it was not connected for no reason. Nothing changed, it just disconnected itself. <clears throat> so let's talk about some classes de of devices. When we have enterprise managed devices, so the devices the enterprise owns or has control over, uh, there's a lot you can do um, if you're on the network team or, or uh, have some responsibility for the Wi-Fi network um, from a process perspective to uh, kind of fend off some of the, the worst problems that Wi-Fi clients can cause on the Wi-Fi network. Uh, but it's really important just to get engaged. You know, talk to the device and desktop groups, maybe even do a lunch and learn. Hey, let's talk about Wi-Fi. I want to talk about how the clients you guys manage are 90% of our Wi-Fi network, and this is how they're interacting with APs and each other. That can be eye-opening. I think it's uh, really valuable to get embedded in the purchasing process with the procurement department in, a, um, in an organization. They're the people that are writing the checks to the vendors that buy uh, the new clients that show up on your network. And at least there, you know, that's kind of like a, a choke point where all these uh, uh, purchases are coming through. So if you don't, if you're not aware of a project before it gets to procurement, you should know then. And at least you you can say, hey, um, I didn't get to evaluate this. I don't know if it's going to work well or not, or I've evaluated it and here's my um, take on it before a purchasing process is made. Um, really important. And part of that is being able to require and, and do demos um, and POCs of new clients on your Wi-Fi network before purchasing. It's really required. It's really important. There's just too much about their performance that's, a, that's really unknown um, and can go wrong. Um, and again, isn't really documented on spec sheets and data sheets that you want to be able to see. 
Um, so, you know, think about it like this. The, the barbarians are at the gates. A lot of metaphors in this one, Don. Uh, and you need a strong defense to keep those clients at bay as much as possible. So get involved early in the in the in the in projects that touch the Wi-Fi network whenever possible. Whenever there's interest in new clients, if it's the desktop group, if it's clinical engineering in a hospital, if it's another group, if it's a, a group that's not even within IT, everybody's interested in doing projects that involve wireless networking. And you want to get plugged into those. You want to have some ears in those projects. And you want to go in and say, this sounds like a great project. Uh, we've got a great Wi-Fi network that can probably support it. We just need to verify that the um, device that you're interested in actually works well on our network. Some, and then you can go through the whole spiel and use the metaphors I just gave you if you want. But you're so much better off going to a few extra meetings um, uh, early in this process than finding out about new clients late in this process. You don't want to find out that there's a new client on your Wi-Fi network um, through getting a support call about your Wi-Fi network getting broken because some new client just showed up and it doesn't work. Because <clears throat> that's where the, the blame goes, right? Unless you're actively educating your organization, they think, you know, they have those, that myth in their head about an AP transmitting a signal and that's all that matters. And um, they um, will blame your Wi-Fi infrastructure for client-side Wi-Fi issues. So get ahead of it. <clears throat> One of the things that can really uh, benefit from, that can come out of that client testing is developing some standardized configurations, some you know blessed configurations. You've tested a client, say, we'll, we'll talk about like a Windows laptop. It's got this adapter, this driver version, and we configure the advanced driver settings this way, document all that, and say, this is a blessed configuration and your clients need to be um, one of these for good performance. And then share that with the desktop, with help desk, you know, one of the one of the great, you know, this isn't being proactive, but it's saving you time. If the help desk, whenever they get a, a um, support call invi involving Wi-Fi, has a checklist to go down and say, okay, he's this this um, this laptop's got this adapter. Okay, oh, the driver version's out of date. It needs to have this driver version. I'll go install that, and let me tweak these ad advanced driver settings, and and uh, we will. Uh, close this ticket and say, yeah, just let us know if it starts happening again. That is really going to save you a lot of time because in a lot of organizations, that ticket would just get escalated to the network team who would look at the AP infrastructure, um, the wireless infrastructure, and say, the Wi-Fi is fine. I don't really have anything for you here. Um, or they'd have to go out and look at the client and try and find it and and do that troubleshooting that could have been done earlier. 
So that can save you a lot of time and there's a lot that can be changed. Like there's a lot of little uh, nerd knobs, particularly with Windows clients that we can uh, turn to uh, improve Wi-Fi performance. Let's talk about um, some specific platforms. So with um, Windows clients, <clears throat> we have a lot of um, options at our disposal to uh, improve their Wi-Fi performance. First of all, we can update the driver versions of the adapters they're running, and that's really helpful. Um, and I would, but I would say, um, don't go to the PC OEMs for driver updates. Like, don't go to Lenovo and Dell and so on, looking for the latest updates they've got. Go to the websites of the adapter vendors themselves, Intel. Uh, uh, Broadcom, Marvell, etc., and get the latest versions they have there to test. They'll be a lot newer, and they'll have a lot of fixes that are uh, that might, you know, really be targeted towards the enterprise. The OEMs are very slow to update drivers in the um, the software they they support, um, whereas the uh, adapter vendors. Um, tend to push fixes out much faster. Of course, you want to test that to make sure that uh, that new version of of uh, that new driver is is going to perform well as well. Um, look at the advanced driver settings um, in Windows drivers. Got a link here to what Intel shares. Uh, you don't have to write this down. We'll share the slides so you can just grab the link out of the slides. But there are a lot of configuration options uh, for the different adapters out there that can affect uh, their enterprise Wi-Fi performance. We talked about roaming being a big problem. Here's an example of some things you can do on Intel adapters that can improve their roaming performance. <clears throat> One thing you can do is set the preferred band to five gigahertz. That's gonna bias its roaming algorithm to favor connecting to your five gigahertz radios instead of 2.4 gigahertz radios, which is generally a, a, a best practice in the enterprise. We can also change the roaming aggressiveness. Now, Intel doesn't say what, what the different values actually mean, but in my experience, if you crank it up a notch to medium high, um, you've got roaming, uh, as long as the drivers are, are pretty stable, um, most Intel adapters will roam well enough to support things like a Citrix session or, um, you know, uh, real-time applications. So look at those. Um, Windows 10 uh, supports 802.11 KVNR. That's not well known, but you can use those features um, with Windows 10 clients, uh, if they have the right adapters. Um, so link there from Microsoft on, on understanding that. And also um, a link here on Intel about the, the adapters that you need and what uh, roaming amendments they support. So the 7265 and everything newer th from that should support most of this, but follow that link and see um, what's possible with what you've got deployed. And uh, you know, one more thing about 
Windows clients that deserves a special call out. Uh, there are, and this has been a, a, a problem for a couple years now in the enterprise, but if you've got 802.11ax access points and you've got 802.11ac um, Intel adapters, um, those adapters may not be able to connect to those APs because of a, a bugs in their drivers, the, the, the client adapter driver to be more specific. So that's been a big problem. It's led to a lot of people turning 802.11ax off on their APs to get these clients connected. Um, and there's a, a link to the lowdown on that. So beware of that risk with 802.11ax. Uh, so let's move on and talk about enterprise managed Apple clients. So far fewer configuration options here. Actually, none, really. It just kind of is what it is. And uh, you hope what you get from iOS and, and Mac OS uh, gives you the performance you need. Um, you know, sometimes operating system updates uh, will include driver updates and, and tweaks to those proprietary algorithms that affect Wi-Fi performance. That's one thing to try if you've got an, an Apple client that's not uh, behaving well. Um, Apple does publish some information about their ro the roaming performance of, of their two operating systems. Uh, with iOS, it's got a little bit more um, aggressive roaming algorithm than Mac OS. Uh, but I'd also, you know, just my own personal experience is that particularly Mac OS, uh, really struggles to roam well. And I would uh, be hesitant to put it into an environment where um, mobility is really important to you. So they publish these, these specs about how the roaming is supposed to work, but it's again, something you wanna verify in your own environment. Really good reference here though is a Enterprise best practices for iOS devices and Mac computers on Cisco W wireless LAN. Uh, white uh, design reference from Cisco and Apple. Um, it, it really kind of gives you the lowdown on uh, what um, Wi-Fi design uh, principles and features will enhance the um, uh, performance of iOS and Mac computers. What you can do on the infrastructure side to help them out. So if you're having issues with these devices, that's a good reference to see if maybe some of those best practices you may be able to implement uh, while also supporting all the other clients that you must support on the network. Let's talk about Android. Android has a big fragmentation problem and uh, it's really important that you consider each device as being unique. You might have a Samsung tablet with Android 11 and you might have a SpectraLink phone with Android 11, they probably won't behave um, uh, similarly at all. Uh, there's just so much that can be changed. It's an open source operating system, so the, the, vendor, the vendors do go in and make changes to the OS. Um, and so uh, give, them, you know, give them each a thorough evaluation. Um, some devices though, 
particularly those that are targeted at the enterprise for voice over Wi-Fi from Zebra and, and Spectralink. Uh, should have mentioned ASCOM here too, uh, and others. Um, they will have some configurable Wi-Fi settings that you'll want to uh, tune to best match your, your environment. And um, similar to, to Apple, uh, operating system upgrades uh, may include driver updates and, and change uh, roaming performance. So have a look at those um, and sometimes change security requirements. So if you were, uh, for instance, Android 11, I believe, had an update last year um, that uh, prevented you from connecting to a 802.1x network without validating uh, the server certificates, um, which is a, a good thing, but you want to be aware of those kind of things before they happen and affect your network. Samsung, similar to Apple, has published a roaming algorithm, and they specify a minus 75 dBm roaming threshold. Um, so you can look at that and decide if that's going to meet your needs as well. And so the last class of device um, to talk about is, is you know, this big bucket of BYOD, bring your own device, uh, that a lot of Wi-Fi networks have to deal with. Um, it's hard, right? You can't control the makes, models, adapters, and drivers in use on the network. Everything I just showed you about, here's how to fix things and improve things, kind of goes out the window a little bit with BYOD. So it's really important that you manage expectations around the organization. Some clients just aren't gonna work. It's just not realistic to say, any Wi-Fi client is gonna work well on our network that comes through the door. They just won't. Some will be better than others, some will be buggy. Um, and, and you need to make sure that as an organization, it's understood that we've done everything we can from an infrastructure perspective. But the clients that walk in the door themselves, you know, they might be playing out of tune and there's nothing we can do about that. Um, I'd also stay away from using voice over Wi-Fi over BYOD. That's just my, my own opinion there. Uh, but without really well controlled and tested um, clients, you know, voice over Wi-Fi is going to be hard to pull off in an acceptable fashion. One thing you can do is publish some minimum device requirements for your network. Um, a, a good one is 802.11ac, sometimes called Wi-Fi 5. Um, and it's a good minimum requirement because it requires five support for the 5 gigahertz band. 802.11n is a pretty good phi, but it, uh, it it can come in 2.4 gigahertz only flavors, which you don't want on the enterprise. You can specify WPA2 enterprise um, as a requirement, and you can put a, you know you can uh, depending on the organization you can you can put something in there in your requirements about how. If you know BYOD, that if you don't meet all of these specifications, then these things we do in our organization will not work or will will be unreliable. Um, and then something to consider 
for that BYOD network is just, can you disable 2.4 gigahertz entirely? We can't change how the clients roam uh, to make them uh, prefer five gigahertz. So can we just turn it off and say, we only support um, five gigahertz BYOD clients? It would certainly uh, help out the, the modern clients that support that band. Um, so, all right, uh, I think we're right at time and uh, have a few minutes for Q&A. Thanks, Jim. You know, between the analogies and the emoji use, I think uh, you knocked this out of the park, buddy. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, so a lot of great comments, and I got a lot of folks requesting the slide deck from today so they could use it internally. So um, well done there on content. And I'm I'm going through here and looking for specific questions. I don't know if Heather, you can help me with these if you yeah. see any in, in particular. Um, we've got one from Brian. Um, what about Chromebooks specifically? Terrible problems. Mm. Uh, good question about Chromebooks. Um, uh, if that's one where you want to do, like I mentioned before, a, a, a hands-on evaluation of those, I've done uh, that myself with with Chromebooks. They uh, there's a real, you know, some of those are built to be as cheap as possible. That's where you're going to find those 2.4 gigahertz only 802.11n adapters, and that's just not going to work at all in a high density um, environment. So uh, look for ones that are 802.11ac, so they support five gigahertz, and start there. Um, make sure they have their updates all installed because those will often, with uh, Chrome OS, include driver updates for the adapter too. Mm -hmm. So good question, Brian. Okay, we've got a couple more coming in here. Um, Bruce asked, do you have advice on cell phone client standardization? To me, that's one of the biggest headaches. Yeah, I think, um, I think we're really talking about, um, uh, smartphones and, and their performance on Wi-Fi, uh, enterprise Wi-Fi networks. It's a challenge because they, uh, they're really attractive to the organization because, you can run apps, you can do a lot of your business processes. It's very convenient and they go anywhere you are. Uh, I, I would say, uh, Bruce, try and get involved early uh, when those, uh, when there's interest in those uh, and get, you know, senior leadership to understand how important it is to standardize on a platform. What you don't want is, um, iPhones and six different Android phones all in use. Sometimes that's unavoidable, but you want to limit, you know, the diversity as much as possible to a few standardized and blessed uh, configurations. So get involved early in those conversations whenever possible. I see one from David in here. Um, would you recommend enabling DFS in an entire hospital if all devices support DFC? I would recommend enabling DFS. Um, it's a good idea to test it, you know, test the, the channels that you intend to use. 
uh, with a, you know, like a lab AP. Uh, maybe put it up on one of the highest floors where, where uh, uh, those radar signatures might be the most likely to, to affect you. And just go channel by channel and, and see if there's any DFS events. But the DFS band, that's two thirds of the spectrum in five gigahertz. So you're giving up a huge amount of capacity that most hospitals can really use uh, by not using it. So I do recommend using it. Um, there are some special considerations for voice over Wi-Fi clients. So if you have those, check with the vendor um, about what their take is and recommendations are for using DFS with those clients too. And uh, David did drop in another note in here. They are using Zebra TC52s there. So that uh, for those cool. of you who are using that environment, those devices in your environments, that's good advice. Uh, maybe one more question here, and then we'll uh, turn it over to to Eric. Um, any extra tips for Max at, <clears throat> uh, that temporarily drop off Wi-Fi or audio video lags? How yeah. tell um, people that uh, their Macs don't perform well? Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> that's a good question. As a Mac user, right? Nobody wants to hear that. Well, I'm a Mac user, and I accept that my Mac has roaming problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a challenge. You know, one thing you can do to make the case is do over-the-air packet captures, um, and and that kind of tells shows you what the client's doing, what's the a, what the AP is doing, uh, and who's dropping the ball. Uh, but I think maybe the, you know, maybe we should um, refer this one to Eric in our seven minutes of seven signal here to show what Mobileye can do to help out with that too, because that's something that's definitely right up our alley.